This is Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is M.K. Reed. Her latest book is Americas, uh, coming out from the fine folks at First Second Books. A collaboration with Jonathan Hill, and uh, the other book I have handy is Cross Country. Um, 
the was that self-published or did someone publish it like self-published self okay you just came up with a fancy publishing name um yeah yeah um i don't know i think i i had the idea at one point that i would like to do a lot more stuff and then i actually put out a book um and i rethought that and then you also have your webcomic, which the name is completely escaping me right now. Is it about a bull? Uh -huh. About a bull. About a bull. There we go. I did have it. <laughs> um, so how are you doing today, MK? Good. Good. Um, I guess kind of jumping into this, uh, reading your work, especially Americas and Cross Country, not so much um, about a bull, I feel like you come from a very middle America background. Is that right in presuming or are you full on New Yorker? Um, I'm I'm technically from New Jersey, but um I'm in Brooklyn now. And I don't know, at this point Brooklyn feels a little bit more like home. Um Was but it suburban maybe would be fair. Okay. Do you have a particular interest in small town dynamics? Uh, it's what I know. That's what, what you're comfortable with? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I grew up next, living next door to a school and down the block from the library, and that's, you know. Were they, they were both very important to you growing up, the library especially? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to talk about my troubled childhood, but, um, <laughs> escapism factors heavily into America, so. Yeah. Well, there's a whole, whole bunch of, of issues you kind of toss in there in the guise of a young oh. adult book, which I'm curious about. Kind of what you're putting in there, and uh, kind of the discussion points you're having. For folks that don't know, America's originally started when you you did the first chapter in an issue of the Papercutter anthology. Did mm -hmm. you um, have a larger story in mind, or was this just something you wanted to just tell that one chapter? Um, I had the larger story in mind, but when um, Greg actually originally asked me to do something that would go over a couple of issues and then we realized how long it was going to be and how it wouldn't come out until probably like 2011 or something so um, and this was in 2007 so um, he just decided to do the first chapter and he asked me to, to do it so that it could stand alone mm -hmm. so we just ended up doing that one and was that where first second got interested in your work from? Um, I I kept writing it, and I pretty much had just about the whole script finished. Um, and I went to New York Comic Con. Um, I I knew a couple people who worked there just from you know living in New York and going to comic book parties and people who dated my friends and uh, I just went over to them and 
they knew some of the previous stuff I'd done, which at this, that point was still just like minis. Um, and I told them um, about the story I had, and they were interested because they have a lot of libraries that love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's kind of good targeting, maybe. Um, it's um. <laughs> Sorry for the dead air. <laughs> I know that's great radio. Radio at its finest. Um, <laughs> the book uh, centers around very modern America landscape of one person's fantasy escapism is another person's uh, her- heretical book of evil. Um, do you see this as a big issue in your experience of seeing things you love books you love um, books that other people love being taken not as just fiction but getting involved in that censorship and whatnot. um when I first had uh, like came up with the idea for America so there was it was my news comes from like very particular blogs about the book industry um, so I was hearing a lot about cases where um, there was kind of a huge one in Georgia where where Harry Potter was at the center of it but then there was also um, a lot of other libraries that were getting especially gay material aimed at younger readers fans mm-hmm. because God forbid somebody thinks they're gay and maybe gets a little comfort from reading about somebody else um, and and then yeah then I wrote a book about it <laughs> were you into fantasy stuff growing up because I know you currently I don't sorry if I'm unleashing private information but you do play Dungeons and Dragons with friends <laughs> you you've mentioned in an email so is this all has fantasy been a big part for you for a long um, time it's it's kind of I don't, it's probably been there since maybe like around the fourth grade where I first started reading like Douglas Adams and there was just that was part of what was available in like the school library and uh, and that's where I would go during lunchtime so um, it got picked up and then it got put in there and um, my my parents used to read to us until I don't know probably like I was like 10 or 11 or something um, and uh I know um, I have a younger brother who's like two years younger than me so um, they were mainly interested in getting him to read because he didn't read almost anything um, and they obviously did not have that problem with me but uh, fantasy books were in there because they were adventures and my dad liked reading them so. <laughs> 
start playing Dungeons and Dragons? Um, that's only in the past year because my boyfriend invited me to his game and he's <laughs> out of the house really good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then uh, he sort of, and kind of, he only did that because all, um, like all of his friends were moving away and they needed players really badly um, and then it just ended up working out and I had fun at so. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh in in Vancouver all the folks that I know that that do play Dunstan Dragons I think they're all women almost I don't know it's interesting <laughs> it seems now more more women getting into it than necessarily the dudes mm-hmm. I mean, the dudes at some point thought they were too cool for it or something yeah. Um, for some reason, it's just like easier for him to get his friends together around D and D. Like they're all really excited to to go play. So versus just like going out for beers, they're not really so interested. Because <laughs> um. <laughs> um, I was I was wondering about that because also uh, your your web comic about a bull uh, mm-hmm. kind of seems to fit in with some of that since it's about Irish mythology, I kind of saw some kind of crossover there. Um, that that started way before the D&D started. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of a jerk about it before that, and I kind of looked down my nose at it. <laughs> like, really? Role-playing games, guys? And now I'm just like... <sighs> you have a bag full of dice? So, like, yeah, I do. <laughs> um... <laughs> I um, got I got my boyfriend a chainmail dice bag for his uh, like Christmas one year and he flipped out and then after that he invited me. I'm totally making you the uncoolest person around. I'm I sorry. know. Stop. 
I'm totally busting you. <laughs> this is that gotcha journalism I've been talking about. Damn it. <laughs> One of the things I really love about your comics is kind of your way of um, the writing, specifically, like how the characters interact and the the dialogue. Um, what was some of your background with that, like, the attractions of doing that in comics? Because it seems like it's so fluid and work well in just doing uh, word books <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> I, I used to write just prose stuff. Um, and, like, in high school... I wrote for, like, our school paper and stuff like that. And then um, I had read comics as a kid and then went through that gap in the 90s where there, like, really wasn't anything for girls um, after I outgrew Archie. Mm -hmm. And then um, somebody just gave me another comic when I was in college, and um, I got back into doing comics and... um, had to kind of catch up with the drawing that I hadn't really been working on as hard as the, the telling stories previously. Um, so when did you get... Then, oh, go ahead. All right. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, uh, when was that that you got back into making comics? Like, how long ago? Um, probably like 2000. Okay. And so how was... You got involved in the mini-comic scene, was it? Yeah, well, um, I went to Syracuse, and there's a like a daily newspaper that they put out, because there's a journalism school. Oh, that's right. Um, I f- completely forgot about it. I have one of them. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I was there at the same time as uh, Nick Gerwich. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there were people doing, like fat boy humor and then people doing really arty comics that everybody else was like what the hell is this guy's deal except for Nick who just everybody adored um so there you know there was that opportunity to go do a comic twice a week um which just having you know like a deadline to go do it and seeing everybody else do it but at a certain point you just look at everybody else's stuff and you're like I can do something better than that guy time to get serious now were uh, you doing any editing on that at any point oh no not at all no? Oh, There's, okay. there was an editor um but as long as you could get something into them for the most part they didn't really care until somebody did something that offended the um, the, the administration. Foreign, yeah, they they lost like ten thousand dollars in sponsoring, and then they called us all in. Um, and we had this meeting about like, guys, please don't offend the people who pay us. <laughs> um, and actually, I I met one of my best friends through college. Um, at that meeting, so. <laughs> <laughs> What was it that was so offensive? It was... Come on. I think that the line was... <laughs> I keep this part out. Um, there was... 
It was something like, I want to have your abortion that offended the, the like, foreign... I'm forgetting the word for when they send kids off to, like, Italy to go do an art program. Oh, like exchange? Yes, foreign exchange program. Um, so... And then the next day, actually, literally the next day from that meeting, um, somebody ran a comic of stick figures uh, robbing someone while wearing a ski mask that got interpreted as blackface um, the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we got to go to the, the, the guy I met that I was friends with, and I went to the, um, the student government after that were like, we would like to put a magazine together that takes the time to work with its talent and edit things. And we got a standing ovation for them to give us like $5,000 to print up our anthology. So that's how that story went out. <laughs> um. <laughs> college was a surreal place, but not because of drugs. What did you take in college? What was your your major? English. <laughs> um, although I was I when I first like went there, I went I wanted to go for film, and then I just, the the film pro- program was so competitive that like a thousand people were trying to transfer into that. Um, and I'm not a good student, so I didn't get the good grades to like get into that program. <laughs> Is film something that you're interested in? It used to be more. Um, and it's it's something I'm familiar with because one of my friends is now a film critic. And uh, my, you know, my roommate, Robin Enrico, edits video for a living. Um, and he and teaches he, too, doesn't he? Yes. Um, so it's something that's still around. Um, but not... All my, like, student video efforts involved a lot of yelling, and comics were a much more relaxing way uh, to to make art for me. That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) So the yelling was in the creation, not in the content? Yeah, we're just, like, trying to... Like, I am not good at explaining to people things with words aloud. So I did not make a good director. Um, so now, it worked out. It's um, so cross country. Your your self published collection. I I think that was my favorite of the stuff I read because these really seem to kind of um, I don't know how to put it, but just the way the characters interact, I really loved. I don't know. I I. I can't really all the see it why. good boner jokes and everything maybe that's just it maybe <laughs> to make me happy just put a boner joke in a comic Chris Ware more boner jokes please <laughs> everyone more, boner, more jokes. boner jokes Johnny Ryan a little less <laughs> so did you originally do that as mini comics or did you just kind of was it to be released um, as one book I originally did it as mini comics because as a hundred pages is like a scary number of pages for me. Um, but 
like a mini is something I can accomplish in a year if I actually sit down and focus on doing it. Um, How was the so, mini comic scene for you developing and getting into comics, like the support you got from it? Um, I, you know, I did it for like six or seven years before um, anyone kind of gave me a chance to do it. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Because um, I did write a comic that somebody else drew maybe around, well, I guess it was still five years, like 2006. Um, I did one that was actually put out by Oticon, um, okay. which is, it's one of the really dorky, I know I shouldn't, I, can, I really don't deserve to use that as a qualifier. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Nerdulous? It's, it's one of the big cosplaying anime shows, um, which normally I would never go to, but somebody posted an ad on Craigslist in New York for a writer um, for a comic book, and it actually like paid a small amount of money. So I was like, well, here's my mini comics that I've done. What do you think? And then she got back to me, and she's like, let's write something. Um, and we're, we, we like, send in each other an email six, every six months. I kind of want to finish it someday. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I've been going to SPX since, like, 2002. I, I did a couple shows before that um, that were, uh, like, long box shows in Boston and a couple other places um, just with the idea that uh, you know we'd do minis and get better at making comics until someone thought that I was good enough to hire and like some a friend of mine actually like came to me with that pitch and he's like look we're not that good now but in 10 years we might be and we might be able to get jobs then um, so mm -hmm. that that ended up becoming totally true um, for me, um, and and yeah. So I just I did I did minis for a really long time, and they were um, looking back at them. The art is sort of terrible, um, which other people, to be nice to me, will say is charming. But it's. I don't know. I don't know who looks back at their art from a decade ago and is like, oh, whatever. I am amazing. And I always have been. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no. It, it was, I like the stories I did back then. Um, after a certain point, like, I figured it out and I got it together. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually that got other people's attention and um, I think it was actually after I put out the first mini of, of Cross Countries that like um, Craig Means asked me to do something for Paper Cutter which is one so... of my favorite anthologies <laughs> I just want to put it in there like people go read Paper Cutter if you haven't already yeah. pick up any Craig issue will be, Craig will be so happy if like people do that it's, it's just like you know there's more love in that anthology than, like, most things in the world. Well, it's neat because he he puts together um, a really great anthology, but he also treats everyone so well mm -hmm. that contributes to it, which mm -hmm. is different for a lot of folks' anthology experiences, where it's kind of like 
Hey, we're doing something. Can you do something for free? Yeah. I've and... been one of those people. I did an anthology. Um, I did it in college when nobody had any money, and I did it uh, a couple years later um, for Friends of Lulu. And they're not... It's a good experience to go through, but <laughs> I... <laughs> I had... <laughs> Um, I had people who were like, I did get responses when I asked people, they're like, you want me to do this for free? That really doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's nice to, to, for people to get money from doing comics. Um, how, what were you doing with Friends of Lulu? Like, what was your involvement there? Um, Dave Roman was originally editing it. And uh, he had done the one before that that um, uh, was like 2003, Broad Appeal. Um, I, I don't know. I still see it around places. So I don't know who else has seen it. Um, and he just asked me if I would be interested in working with him on the next one and then he got too busy basically and uh, I did it with Robin and Robin Chapman? Robin and Rico. Oh it's Robin and Rico sorry. The the Robin in my closet back there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No I live in his closet or I used to. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not in a creepy way just, you know in the New York apartment way Sometimes... in, the, in the New York there's no space way <laughs> yeah in the way that like I couldn't afford to pay rent on a real room so he was like nobody else would take this I'm like are you fucking crazy <laughs> you know where you live somebody I think, else would take I know Brandon when he lived in New York at one point he lived in pretty much a closet yeah yeah and, uh... Um, you know, it's pretty nice for a closet. I'm, I'm sitting here now. It's now an office because my boyfriend moved in and I don't have to live here anymore. Um, but it, it's still tiny. And it's the glamorous life of cartooning. <laughs> the good life. The moment that you said yes was arguably the finest one yet. The moment I spoke my mind was my own fault. We each have our ways of playing it safe, though that's the last thing we need. For example, you don't call. For example, I act like I don't notice when you don't call. And the moment that you give in to an evening of conjugal sin is the moment that I concede. I answer to a physical greed I am missing you more now than ever before And I do not sleep nights I am missing you more Than it's possibly healthy when I don't sleep Do you get tired of all the super little boys? Cause I was never one of them I got tired of all the super little girls Who wear Their body weight and makeup Whoa. But do I have to do to 
moment that you said yes It's the moment that you'll regret You'll spend every summer day Trying hard to forget Or maybe you won't I cannot really know Everyone says they know When they don't Maybe you will be happy For the first time in your whole life Maybe you will be happy Next to me Next to me Next to me You will be Next to me Next to me Next to me You will be Fast asleep In my bed Till 11 You will be Fast asleep Bodily assumed to heaven So why uh, is Friends of Lulu, was that a important thing for you to be involved in? It maybe let people um, know what it is in case people have forgotten. It, well, passed. I guess they're kind of like like out of business now. But, um, you know, back before the internet brought everyone together, there was a concern of like the number of women in comics, which, you know, in the 90s was a ginormous concern because... I went through that. There wasn't anything to read, and it it sucked. I was, like, jealous of the Japanese girls at my school who had manga. There wasn't, like, any clear source for uh, American manga where I was living. So I was just very jealous that they had cool stories in comic form. Um, and... And the, I don't know, it's... It was just kind of something to do? That, and it, like, it was also very helpful to have other women doing comics around, just because it's so dude-heavy mm-hmm. that, you know, just like, Raina being around in New York knowing that she was working on a comic and um, at the time I think she had just gotten the Babysitter's Club thing so she was working on those and you're like okay there's someone I can look at as a career role model um, it's it's nice to have it's um, it's sort of weird because like women in comics don't want to say that their experiences are any different from dudes because it's it does kind of feel like something that like marginalizes us, mm-hmm. um, but they are in some ways because when you're a dude, you have role models left and right for most of the things you want to do, um, and it's it's not the same. There's it's nice to see like you know there's women going into editing and drawing and being graphic designers and stuff like that and just that they also don't just have this job but have like a life outside of that um you know either you know as moms or not as moms and like both of those are equally valuable to have around Mm -hmm. um So, so it was helpful for that, and it was like a, 
um, it was a good place for to like get some publishing experience and I don't know dudes get a little offended by like there should be a quota for women in places but um, I'm friends with some of the guys from Sweden I was going to um, ask about that yeah, yeah. Um, and they they Sweden is hugely feminist and it's really awesome to see that there um, because you just see attitudes that you don't see here um, and so the one of the feminist collectives kind of like went to them and they're like you know we like comics and there's tons of us making them and we're not being this represented in your magazine why is that we're you know our work is just as good um, and so the the editors actually sat down and decided to like look at the problem and they came to the conclusion that uh, you know it, they're, they're all dudes they are friends with other guys and that's part of the problem and they just really weren't being conscious about it so they set up a, a, a percentage um, where the goal is to have it half men and half women in the magazine and then if it's below 30% they scrap the magazine and go back and go over every submission again and look for more stuff to even it out and it's like first of all it got rid of all the criticism of them not putting women in it right away mm -hmm. uh, and they're just like yeah we're it's better because we did this um and it didn't affect the quality or the sales at all. No, it, it improved it. Um, there, you know, different people got to be in the magazine. Um, first of all, it's also just kind of insane that they have this thing that is in like every bookstore, and it's like, you know, it's like if Drawn and Court, like the Drawn and Quarterly anthologies from the '90s, practically, mm -hmm. which like rough raw talent and like also people who've been doing it forever but like very artsy stuff or like maybe if Raw had survived till today <laughs> it's, like if you look in there some of the stuff they do is crazy I can't read it so I, I can really only judge by what it looks like um, but it, it's just like their whole system is amazing hey you've gone to Sweden a couple of times? More than a couple of times? Three times? Three times. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There, like, every time when they hold the festival, it's springtime, so everyone's coming out of um, the, like, months of darkness and depression, so it's, it's always really fun over there. Um, it sounds like an am amazing experience. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this year it was. Um, I went and Shannon O'Leary went um, on behalf of Sparkplug, and then um, Gabrielle Bell and Hope Larson and Brian O'Malley and Vanessa Davis and Trevor Alexopoulos and I'm trying to remember the other Americans. Uh, Dash Dashaw. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Eric from Fantagraphics uh, were all there, and it was like comics camp. <laughs> in Sweden 
<laughs> and uh, Simon Gardenfors took us out to a medieval bar the last night, and we were just like, this is how comics should be. <laughs> where you drank meat and ate legs of lamb? No, it was like after 11, there wasn't any food. Uh, but we did drink mead. There we go. I don't know that if was... I'm a fan of mead. It's hmm? a little pungent. <laughs> um, now, one of your most recent articles uh, is your one on Kickstarter. Uh, I thought maybe we could discuss that a little. Okay. Of, uh, kind of discussing the particular pros and cons and views of Kickstarter, because it seems to be something everyone is up in arms about in one way or another. Um, yeah. I don't know. I... But at the same part, at the same time, I'm kind of like, buyer beware. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I generally, keep, like, it's kind of the first thing I've written for the beat in a year, and then um, I, just, I kind of have a policy like 99% of the time of like don't write things on the internet because talking about things generally doesn't I mean it just always kind of turns into a flame war and it's unproductive and like energy sapping yeah um, but at the same time I kind of wasn't seeing that fed so I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you put some ideas out there, and I think I think it's worth discussing those ideas. Okay. Um, like one of them particularly was the importance of being the uh, involvement within production, the creation of books, um, and how that experiential part is important before like jumping in full. I guess like you know. And going, I'm gonna go and launch my first graphic novel. That's 300 pages from this Kickstarter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If if I had had that opportunity, um, like if I was starting out now instead of 10 years ago, and that was there, I would have gone for it because why not? It's there. Everybody should go for it. But um, I wasn't ready. And I, I would have ended up with a, like a closet full of books that I would still own today and not be able to sell. Um, so I kind of wanted someone to say that to to like the kids out there, and then also I don't know it 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 tempt, not it's not even just people starting out; it's people who should maybe know better or have really good intentions and may not have taken on a huge project before and don't entirely know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's great to get everything that you want, but that's not always what's best for you. You know, like, maybe you can handle heroin, but you, you want to try that? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bad thing that can end up from that going horribly wrong. Yeah. So. Do you, do you have uh, any like particular points of advice? Like it seems sounds like one is, 
maybe before you do this huge massive project try out something small work your way yeah, up to that baby project steps. baby steps it's mm -hmm. all baby steps so and like I don't know part of it too is that you know living in Brooklyn I hear a ton of industry stuff and like gripes from people about such and such a thing and other stuff um and whenever somebody gets a big chunk of money, there's, like, this feeling, like, well, well, why didn't I get that? Um, and it's, it might be because you're not ready for that. And um, in talking with my publisher, they've had some bad experiences with people who aren't ready for that. And I know, I, I, um, I have a second book coming out with for a second, so I've spent most of a year trying to get them to agree to different artists mm -hmm. um, and it's finding an artist that's able to take on this size of a project yeah and they're they're very reluctant now to do that to take on someone who hasn't done a big project yet because they've they've gotten burned on some projects or they've just they've worked with artists who are too young or just like inexperienced or just kind of like not an adult and don't have manners about it yet. Yeah. Um, so they're, they really don't want to take on anyone who like hasn't proven themselves yet. Um, and you know, like that's their attitude and that's, you know, it doesn't benefit anyone else to just be like, well, whatever I'm, I've, why can't I do it? It's like, well, no, show someone you can do it, and then you'll get it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard to, like, not tell that to people having gone through it. I think and, like, it's kind of funny because, like, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk of, like, folks being handed huge book contracts getting out of school. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> no, and I think I think what we're seeing now is the is the backlash of that where a lot of folks have not produced comics, and yeah. you're kind of seeing the success of guys like Dash Shaw who did their book, mm -hmm. had their book complete, and then mm -hmm. got a publisher. Yeah. Um. And just you know, trying to do something on your own for a while and struggling with it, it makes makes it better. If you do too many comics, you're not going to be amazing. You you know, when I did too many comics, those many comics sucked. When I did a whole book, I got better. Yeah. By the end of the book, I was looking at the first part of the book, and I was like, well, that looks awful. And, yeah, a year will give you a different opinion of something's merits. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, there's a couple of folks who kind of very clearly state you kind of got to do so many pages mm -hmm. before you're ready with that completed work. Yeah, there's um, something that was really great for me to read when I was young was the Dave Sim self-publishing guide. And, mm -hmm. like, his first thing was, like, one, don't print up the first thing that you do. Draw a thousand pages and then then start printing up the pages you do after that. 
I think those are uh, one of the few words of wisdom that Dave Sim has to live by. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a good book too. Up until you know, up until the crazy point, it's it's, it's not all bad. Up until um, women become no, the void, <laughs> and that you know that one mini he printed up was like some of the best advice in publishing mm-hmm. from somebody who did it all and had the experience. So. Yeah, who's done his thousands and thousands of pages. Yeah, and if you see Dave Sims' pre-service work, it is. <laughs> Fucking rough. I'll even tell you, what. you know, service issue one. Not so. He doesn't even look right there. No. But you know, a thousand pages in. Also, yeah. Gerhardt improved things. And also having editorial support mm-hmm. improved the. Uh, you know, having done. Yeah, Shucks. you can actually see the part where things start to go wrong when he lost that support. Yeah. I think something um, to be said about good editorial advice in comics. Mm-hmm. Now, Americus comes out next month, very soon. Um, the 30th of this month. Oh, so. there we go. Very, very soon. So in time for SPX. Nice. So you're going to do an SPX. Any other conventions? Um, some book festivals um, and the, the New York Comic Con. I think yeah, I've been taking it easy on comic conventions lately. I got a little burnt out. Well, you and uh, and uh, Liz Bailey and uh, Gabby Schultz did that harrowing uh, purple van tour. <laughs> the grimace. Yeah, the grimace, which sounded maddening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was, and it it was um, kind of a big resource drain too. So that's another reason. It's not been going anywhere. It's tough. It's tough for folks to be able to tour. Maybe you should do a Kickstarter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think I should do that. Like, I also, you know, I also think it's it's good for some people to know that that's not an appropriate tool for them to use because of, you know, their other experiences. So... Mm -hmm. But, no, you know, whatever. Everybody do whatever you want. It'll all turn out fine, I'm sure. (laughs) It'll all be good in the end. Um, What do I know? You know enough to go to Sweden. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, MK, for uh, joining me today. Just a reminder, folks, I've been chatting with MK Reed. Her books are Cross Country and Americus as well as the About a Bull webcomic featuring a plethora of illustrators joining you um, dicing up the art style throughout it I enjoy it Um, thank you so much for joining me today thank you Special, sir, we know everybody.
escaping!